Tonight's Amazing Race recap is sponsored by Blue Apron. Of course, you know Blue Apron, the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They are teaming up with Whole30 through February 26th to bring you delicious recipes. Whole30 is a program which is focused on eating whole foods. Their menu on Blue Apron will feature two Whole30 approved recipes each week like seared steaks and warm lemon salsa verde with roasted broccoli and sweet potato and chicken kale orange salad with spicy tahini dressing. Kickstart your new year with Blue Apron and Whole30. We love getting the Blue Apron. I had those aforementioned sear steaks with that lemon salsa and it was delicious. Always get some great steaks from Blue Apron. Love when the Blue Apron box comes to the house. Everything's already in there. They've got the beautiful card with all the ingredients to put things together in less than 45 minutes. There are flexible options. Whatever your tastes are, you can pick two, three, or four of the 12 recipes each week. And they've got high-quality, non-GMO ingredients with no added hormones. You don't need any of that. So go ahead and get $30 off your first order from Blue Apron for our listeners. Visit blueapron.com slash Rob. Check out this week's menu and get $30 off with free shipping at blueapron.com slash Rob. Blue Apron, it's a better way to cook. Coming to you live from my apartment, it's Rob Has a Podcast. And now, here's a man who was under the impression that the meaning of life was that it never stops podcasting. I'm Rob Cisternino. Hello, everybody, and how are you? Amazing Race, episode number six, hour number six of Amazing Race 30. Here we are, ready to talk about it all. And here we have our great Amazing Race panel first. A woman who can tap a keg in any country around the globe, the great Jessica Lease. Jessica, how are you? I'm doing great, Rob. I just got out of the beer bath. I feel really refreshed and, you know, a little bit slurry, but we'll get there. And also with us tonight, a man in a bathtub of his own tears as his beloved team, Wellstrung, went out of the race and out of the Bloom Five tonight. Give it up for Mike Bloom. I'm playing a song on the world's smallest violin, Rob. <laughs> yeah. Well, boy, uh, this tonight, I, I was uh, kind of thought it was going to be a non-elimination leg based on uh, what I was seeing on the show. But we had the U-turn and Phil was acting so cryptic uh, at the mat. Everybody so this, hey, it's the amazing race. You know, anything could happen. Just be ready. So uh, it turns out we did get an elimination, but it looks like we're going to have our team swap coming up following this leg with the double U-turn uh, used by Justin Cody on Team Well Strong. Turned out that that was, in fact, the death blow for them because uh, they would have finished well before Jess and Cody if you buy into what we saw in the edit tonight. So we'll talk about it all here tonight and get into your questions. Jess, uh, first double U-turn in the race this season here in hour number six. Well, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but could they please stop putting the U-turn before the detour? It makes no sense. It's not a U-turn if you're not going back and doing something. <laughs> yeah. It, it <laughs> rewards people for getting a fast cab and 
It's just so broken, it makes me crazy. Yeah, that's a good point, Mike. What should they call that? Like a roundabout? I don't even know if it's a roundabout because it's implying like, okay, I'm at this juncture, but I know I have to go back the other way and do it again. Uh, so, I, I mean, I, I can't even give a navigational term for it because, yeah, it truly isn't really a U-turn at this point. It's more so uh, just both do both options of the detour. More of a U-screwed. Yeah, well, the actual thing that it would be is if you think you're going one way and you have to go a different way that's probably longer, that's a detour, but we already have one of those, so. <laughs> yeah. Jess, do you think that their attempt at putting it where it is is to try to make it more fair so you have more time to know, okay, we have to do both tasks, so we really need to hustle here? Does it give the team that's you turned a little bit more of a chance? I don't think so. Because I don't think it really does give the teams more of a chance. Since we've had this U-turn placement, it's pretty much screwed every single team that's gotten U-turned, hasn't it? Yeah. So it really, so maybe we should be naming it the U-screwed then. U-screwed. It seems to be in line with the branding. <laughs> yeah. Jess, you're so good at reading the edit on The Amazing Race. I thought the whole hour that like, wow, Team Well Strung, they're really catching up here. They're really doing great. Did you feel like that they probably were acing it or did the edit paint a picture that, oh, look, don't count these guys out. They're about to come back. And maybe they might not have done as well as the edit was depicting. I mean, por que no los dos, Rob? They could have been doing great. It looked like they were doing great. I'm sure when you speak to them tomorrow, you'll get a little bit more of the picture of how well they actually did. But I think it was never... It was never close in my head. Um, mm-hmm. I think the first thing we always mm-hmm. look for if you're trying to read the edit to see what's going on is if there's a team that you know is in the back and you never see another team on screen with them, then that team's screwed. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not a team that's in it at all. And I think that's something the editors can't edit around. And so the fact that we really never saw any other teams with Wellstrung after they finished the first half of their detour – I mean, that pretty much points to them really not ever having a prayer. I mean, there there was there was one point, though, because I remember when they pulled up to the roadblock, that three-team configuration uh, that caused so much controversy was pulling away. So maybe there was a chance. And what I will say is, for an episode that did sort of seem like a foregone conclusion, once we hit that 20-minute mark and those last three teams on the, on the second flight got to the U-turn mat, I would say the editors did, a, a, as Rob is alluding to, at least a pretty good job of trying to at least make it look a little climactic that, you know, the navigational hazards that come with being in Prague might have actually jumbled up the order a little bit, even though if you look at the way, you know, things shook out, uh, you know, we pretty much maintained the groupings that left the pit stop with the exception of, you know, uh, the IndyCar racers and Lucas and Brittany essentially switching places. I want to talk about the double U-turn, and I think we have to give kudos to Jess and Cody for ultimately uh, playing it correctly because uh, they probably would have been out of the race uh, had they not used it. But Jess, it does seem as though they've been the most antagonistic team so far through these first six hours. Well, I think I'm not sure how much this is a function of who they are as people and how much it's a function of what baggage they carry with them into the race. Because I think on some level, they have already played a competitive reality show that got very personal, that involved a lot of this high-level strategy. On the other hand, I think 
maybe the other teams know they came from Big Brother and are expecting that out of them and just sort of kind of project that onto them. Mm. But mm -hmm. I think they really didn't have a choice. They had to play that U-turn this, this leg. And I think they're doing a pretty good job of, with the race that they're running. And I don't necessarily see them as being like in a vacuum, like taking away like everything else we know about them outside of this particular race. I think they're doing a great job and I'd probably even be actively rooting for them. So you think that this might have just been their leg where everything goes wrong and you think that they are uh, headed for a bounce back potentially? I think so. I think they're they're solid racers. I think they just got on the wrong flight was basically the one thing they did wrong. Yeah, the, the wrong flight and then getting not being able to grab a taxi on the way to the pit stop are essentially the only two things that they did wrong. They did what you're supposed to do in textbook Amazing Race. Uh, you, If you're at the U-turn mat and there is a team behind you, you should probably use it because yeah. that guarantees that puts that team further behind you. They'll, they'll make some other uh, qu choices that I find a little more questionable when it comes to the rest of the episode. But when it comes to the U-turn, at least... I think it's it's total no-brainer. I think what Jess is saying is totally accurate, how I think their reputation precedes them a bit, uh, and it depends on the baggage they bring in. And I'm not talking about the 16-minute video they put up on YouTube of what they packed before <laughs> the Amazing Race. <laughs> Uh, but let's stay on Jess and Cody, because I, I, I think we're all on the same page. They use the U-turn perfectly. And as Jessica Lease will tell you anytime that when you use the U-turn on somebody, make sure that person goes home and there will be uh, no repercussions for them on sending uh, Team Strong out of the race. But Jess, we saw tonight once again that there was conflict with Jessica and with Brittany, that we saw the incident, uh, incidents probably overstating it, but we saw the <laughs> moment with Brittany. The no-ments? Yeah, the no-ments from earlier this season. But this was, I think, a, even a little bit more underhanded, what she did. It was Brittany who was there with Alex, and supposedly they were all working together, and we saw Jessica mislead them and give them the wrong answer in the uh, Kafka phone challenge, which Brittany and Alex immediately and realized that they had been had. She told them the wrong answer. Do you feel like that this was too over the top? From Jess. Well, it does get a little murkier. It is a little bit more underhanded, but I think it's still well within the bounds of acceptable gameplay. I mean, when you think about it, you really shouldn't be relying on other teams to feed you the answer. You should be getting that answer yourself. And I think maybe some of the outrage came from the fact that they were leaning on her to give them the answer. And you really should get your own answer. And if you're going to work together with another team, like corroborate your answer, but don't just expect that they're going to feed you something, especially when you're in the back of the pack. But how much had they been already working together where if Jess actually cracked it, should she give it to them? No. Mike, is this is this a truly I can't spare a square moment? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, now we're going to see, you know, uh, I guess what's going to happen. Brittany's going to run away with a bunch of telephones next time and leave uh, <laughs> Jess stranded alone. Yeah, I, I, I do agree that it's 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 fine gameplay. I don't feel like it's smart gameplay, though, just because there was no real risk involved for these three teams. Even though you say, Jess, that they were at the back of the pack, they knew there was one guaranteed team behind them. So for all intents and purposes, there, there's really no... 
benefit to, to getting out in fourth place as opposed to ending up in sixth place. You know, uh, I could understand, again, in a, in a sense, you could sort of rationalize why you decided to use that U-turn, but this almost seemed unnecessary to me to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to purposely squirrel this away, uh, even though we said we were going to work together for a little bit. The, it seems like that moment caused a bit more strife with those other teams, particularly IndyCar and Team Ocean Rescue than the U-turn. I mean, I, I'm with you on that, Mike. Um, it is the one thing that everybody knew there was another team back there, and there's no reason to overtly screw somebody when they're not in any danger of getting eliminated and neither are you. But I don't think it was necessarily the nastiest, dirtiest thing I've ever seen someone do to another racer. Certainly not. It definitely was not one of the worst things that they've done. But this what I thought was especially bad for a couple of reasons. One, they screwed over two teams in the process or just did in Ocean Rescue and Alex and Connor. She already kind of had a moment, a moment with Brittany. So that's sort of strike two with Brittany. And I do feel like that a big part of this game is just don't give people a reason to feel justified to use the U-turn on you. We only saw the first one come up. Now, Jess, now Jess and Cody can't use the U-turn again, right? They've already used it up. Yeah. For the uh, that goes back and yeah. forth. But anyway, but they yeah. they are giving other teams a reason to U-turn them. They already have the thing against them that they're different from the rest of the group in that they're from Big Brother. And I think that that's already an added incentive. Like, hey, we're all the normal people. They're the people that they've already been on a show. They've already had their chance. Let's U-turn them. And I think that there's adding fuel to the fire. And it looks like coming up, Mike, we're going to have a U-turn in this uh, next leg of the race as well. Yeah, it looks like we're going down to Zimbabwe, and it seems like, you know, the, the timing of these U-turns are really interesting as well. I don't know if we'll have them in back-to-back legs necessarily, but I think the the Amazing Race uh, producers were hopeful that this type of thing would happen, that these storylines start building. It's one of the reasons why the U-turn has stuck through since Season 12, is that it does create some sort of inherent drama. These teams are sort of used to running with blinders on. It's an opportunity for them to actually look across the bow and start firing shots. Evidently, Jody took the first shot. They drew first blood, and I, I do agree. I, I think it's not such a hot take, but I, I do feel like uh, Jess and Cody are going to be the recipient of one side of the double U-turn next week. Jess, I want to talk about this twist that's looming that Phil kept hinting at. We saw it in the big season preview about this idea of how we are going to switch up partners. And I do think that we're at a very interesting point in the race where we have a little bit of this contentious relationship between Big Brother and Team Ocean Rescue. And that, and that contentious relationship might be a one-sided contentious relationship where I don't think <laughs> that Big Brother necessarily has the any feelings about Team Ocean Rescue. But I do think that we are at a, a very fun spot in the race to have a potential partner switch up. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. And there is, I would say there is like a 99.9% chance that the teams that swap partners end up being Team Beach Ocean and Team Big Brother. Do you think, Mike, that we will have, and this is not the love know-it-alls, but do you think that we will have a switch uh, between like uh, one partner with the partner from the other team that we will have a very clean switches? Or do you think that we will have, uh, you know, a- anybody with anybody? The more, yeah, I don't think we're going to get all uh, loosey-goosey with this. I I know we mentioned Fidelio beforehand, but this is not an eyes wide shut type of uh, deal going on next time. I feel like 
the more and more I look at this, it's going to be more and more like the intersection that we saw sporadically in the course of Amazing Race seasons prior, where I think it's just going to be two teams swap partners for maybe a couple of tasks, and then they swap back. Because we talked about this from the very beginning as to, you know, if teams check into the pit stop with these mixed-up couples, how does that work? I I do feel like it's something that's only temporary. Maybe they start the leg in those positions, and then they swap back soon afterwards. And from that perspective, we have six teams right now. It it would only make sense, since everything's even, to just have two teams swap partners with each other. Can I make my prediction on this? I think that we see it for a whole leg, but I think it ends up being a non-elimination like Jess. Yeah, hundred percent. That was what I would, that was what I would guess. Yeah. Because we've only had one so far and uh, we still have to get what, at least two more in there. So I feel like that that'd be a good way to do it. But you know, maybe it like uh, stirs the pot a little bit, Mike. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to, you know, think too meta about the leg structure, but we have had meta three eliminations. Yeah, uh, no, he's a, he's in a, he's in a, he's has a different game to think about, uh, and not a game that results in a court wide brawl with the audience. But, uh, th- we have been looking at three elimination legs in a row. I think re- Rob, one of the reasons said you were a little surprised this was, this was not a non elimination leg is because we just had two elimination legs back to back. I feel like we're jonesing to have another one come up soon. I would be surprised if we went with four elimination legs in a row. So I wouldn't be surprised if we're obviously going to get one eliminate non elimination leg in each of the next next double sets of episodes. Uh, I don't know. I, I we, This might be too granular. I feel like we go non-elim, partner swap temporarily, and then we go into the elimination to finish off that two-hour block next week. Yeah, it's a good reminder that there are three weeks left of The Amazing Race. The finale, I believe, is uh, exactly in 21 days, and Big Brother is going to be coming back. The celebrity Big Brother uh, kicks off on February 7th, which is one week from tonight. The Amazing Race is going to be then following the Big Brother episodes in two-hour blocks, so uh, we will have six hours left of The Amazing Race, all three weeks in a row of two-hour episodes. Jess, do you think that we will get the double U-turn in the first hour and then the partner swap in the second hour? If I had to guess, I would probably say it was the other way around. I think the next leg is probably non-elimination with the partner swap, and then after that is the double U-turn. So you have chance to cultivate a little more enmity. You would never put U-turns in back-to-back legs, I guess. Um, and I think the partner swap is best deployed when nobody's getting eliminated and everybody's in the same physical place to regroup at the beginning of the next leg. Okay, let's talk about the tasks that went on in this episode as the uh, teams headed to Prague. Uh, we've talked about that there were basically two flights from the start of the episode, you had Big Brother and Team IndyCar and Team Wellstrong. They were coming in on the second flight. Everybody seemed to be talking U-turn, which I'm sure, Jess, probably happens at every single leg, uh, at every single airport. We only just see it on the episodes where the U-turn is actually in play. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of... What you talk about on the That's kind of all yeah. you have to talk about, yeah. Like, what else are you yeah. going to talk about? I have to say, I thought we were moving away from these legs where there are two flights and everybody on the first flight is in zero danger of being eliminated. Hmm. This is like season 24 crap. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we get to our detour, Mike, and it was the return of this or that. 
Yes, the hot new CBS game <laughs> show that will replace Candy Crush uh, coming this summer. Yeah, this is another one of those blind U-turns. I think we saw it in season 25 when it was uh, run up a slippery pole versus polish some armor, I think. And, but they just had to choose based on the name. This time the they slippery didn't even pole get a name. was when they had the leg in Philadelphia. Not quite. <laughs> yeah. Um, the slippery pole versus polish the armor. They gave you like one word of clue mm-hmm. and you had to just pick based on the one word. This or that happened in the Philippines and it was basketball versus bikes, I think. Yeah. Jesse, mm-hmm. what is the reason for this or that? Do the fans like it? Is it just that they're just punting on like, hey, let's not spend the whole day writing the detour clue. We got too much to do. Just make it this or that. It's fine. I think it's probably little column A, little column B. I think this or that is wildly entertaining. <laughs> oh, you like and it. I like it periodically. Like I don't want this or that every leg, but every so often it makes it interesting and you just kind of have to mm-hmm. pick a detour and hope it's <laughs> the one that doesn't suck. Yeah. Well, cons- and considering how we spent the past few episodes sort of maligning the fact that, oh, these are un- these are unweighted, uh, very unbalanced detour options to the point of where last leg, everyone was saying, OK, let's ditch this Van Gogh thing uh, because it sounds too difficult. Now they're sort of just putting a blindfold on them and steering them in some sort of random direction. Yeah. Well, I do think that's kind of one of the reasons they do it um, is that. They want to cover up the fact that one of the detours is, if not easier, then at least more fun. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So you think that they were trying to hide like the Zonk detour? Yes. Well, I mean, if the choices are uh, go drink some beer and go (laughs) attend a lecture, the choice seems pretty there to me. (laughs) Yeah. My only argument is that I felt like that the keg challenge should have been the that instead of this. And I felt like that at least we could have had tap that. That could have been what the detour (laughs) was. (laughs) To tap that versus listen to this. Uh, you could do something like that. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, we had one leg of the detour, one side of the detour, which was go and move these uh, heavy kegs around and then pour a beer and then go find a party boat, which turned out to be a couple of different steps. And it depended on how fast you could get those two fingers of foam. But then I thought that the more entertaining challenge, Jess, was the going to sit in the lecture hall. I enjoyed that. I think that's only because you were hoping that you'd see pencils down. I love that so much. Mike, is this a college course where two people (laughs) lecture you on? Basically, it's like a point counterpoint. It's this or that. I don't know. It's a course catalog from like 1560. Yeah, course catalog from like 1564, maybe. This is, I thought we were uh, past this point. I don't know. Unless if B.O.B. was uh, the teacher, maybe this would be a course course (laughs) that exists nowadays. I mean, just, well, what is the amazing race trolling the flat earth people? People. I mean, isn't the entire premise of the amazing race that the earth is round? Like, how could they do a yeah, show? They've kind of proven it 29 times. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. And then I felt like that they did not throw that much shade, Mike, at the flat earth guy. I, yeah, well, I guess it's sort of like equal airtime between, uh, I don't know, Dr. Whiff and Poof and whoever the, the like the balding Matt Smith, whoever that guy was. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed this one just because it was a little, I think it was a little more difficult as well, just because oh, the first, 
I mean, the first time they went through the lecture, they had no idea what they were supposed to memorize. So I'm sure they were just pulling out these random facts. And for those that did not do well at school, hint, hint, Lucas, who immediately fell asleep <laughs> as if he had had some beers uh, like yeah. the night before. <laughs> That's what we do. We don't go to school. We go to the beach. That's how we became Team Ocean Rescue. That's our origin story. <laughs> Team Ocean Rescue doesn't live in a book. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, for a team that's supposed to be good at, like, finding people in water, they sure couldn't find the water itself. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't know how to get there. Only if if they get if they start at the water and they see you, then they can save you. But getting there. (laughs) So they need need to know where the ocean is first before they can actually be a lifeguard. Right. Is is that why they're getting married at the beach? Because they can't find anything else? Right. Well, somebody has to take them to the beach. The limo will pick them up and drop them off at the beach. And then they can get married. Somebody else will write directions on the wedding invitations. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, and I, they should have just followed the little like Google Maps like indicator on the left hand side that was following their progress. <laughs> they would know they were not going the direction of the Fidelio. I felt like we were robbed tonight when we did not get to see Jess and Cody sit in that lecture hall, Mike. <laughs> well, that lecture hall because it seemed like they just they burst in into the middle of a hall. random yeah. college lecture. <laughs> well, they would have asked Cody if the Earth is round or flat, and I'm not sure what answer he would have given them. Mm, I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I don't know if he's a, a flat Earth guy. I, I just like this idea of if they had sat through an entire lecture because let's remember the lecture that they walked in on was not the sanctioned lecture it was right. just a regular college class so they would have sat there for maybe like i don't know 70 more minutes and then the teacher would have said class dismissed and they just would have sat there saying okay where's where's the clue <laughs> yeah. what are we supposed to be doing here yeah cody uh, made the quick call like hey this isn't even in english let's switch to the other task this is uh, we can't sit here and, and uh, we don't we don't speak uh hungarian we got to get out of here let's go do the other task but uh, I mean, it was very funny. Yeah, I also liked uh, Daniel and Eric sort of like, uh, or Eric and Daniel sort of like Billy Madison their way through the test by just like, yeah. they keep going back question after question of like, okay, we got one of them. Now let's go back and listen real hard for the answer to the next question and eventually we'll get it all. Just Eric and Daniel, all of a sudden, would they come in second place this week? Yeah, second place. I was impressed. I thought these guys were total scrubs, but they are, they've kind of found a gear. Yeah. They were a slow burn to start for the firefighters, but now uh, they are in fuego. Yes, much like their much like their clutch, it's a very slow burn as it <laughs> drives along the highway. Yeah. Okay. Well, we saw everybody going through the tapping the keg challenge. Uh, Mike, did you enjoy watching the teams pour beer tonight? Why? How is that a perfect pour? I, I preferably would not have any foam in my beer. Personally, I'm not. I'm not from Prague. I don't know if they, how they do things in Prague, but uh, I don't know. I feel like I try to get rid of the foam in my beer before drinking it. Jess, was that a perfect pour? Where do you come down on that? I don't know. When I, when I was a kid, like my my relatives would let us drink the foam off the top of the beer. Mm. <laughs> so two fingers, maybe a little. I may be a little more pro foam than most. That's what I'm saying. But yeah, I don't. I, this is the first time in history someone sent back a beer for not having enough foam on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought that team well strung when they got there. It was it seemed like that they nailed it on the first try, Jess? Yeah, I mean, I these guys know how to party. Yeah. I mean, again, they were editing it to show them as making up a lot of time in order to perpetuate the myth that they were competitive. Mm-hmm. 
No, I get what we're saying here, but it looked, uh, they really fooled me. I thought they, they seemed like they aced it. We'll find out tomorrow exactly uh, how quickly they got through those things when we get to the exit interviews. Uh, Mike, anything else from the beer task? It seemed like that, that was pretty straightforward. It seemed like that the hardest part for these teams was actually finding the boat. Yeah, the interesting part is that I feel like now that we're approaching the halfway point of the race, this is when the, you know, hashtag killer fatigue really starts showing. And I think it shows really interpersonally uh you know we've seen alex and connor kind of spat before but i was a little surprised to see henry and evan kind of snip at each other a little bit it seems that henry is a little cody-esque in making some impromptu decisions and evan is all for sticking to the plan yeah there was that moment when henry decided that uh hey should we get a cab and evan said hey we said no cabs. why did they say no cabs is that not one of your rules for the amazing race just no cabs ever Well, it's almost always screwed people that have tried to game the system by taking public transportation rather than a cab. Something always goes wrong with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's why you only ever see people taking public transportation when the clue specifically tells them they have to. Yeah. I I get that their, their thought process was we don't want to put our race in someone else's hands. But on the other hand... Like, if the cab's going to be way quicker than the public transportation, you really are just screwing yourself. I really loved this next stop on the race where teams had to head to the hashtag beer spa, Mike. What's the utility of this? I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, uh, give it a one star metaphoric Yelp review to the Endleska Lazen beer spa, but. I don't know, something about the a stewing in beer in warm beer for hours at a time. Granted, those men seem very, very happy to do so, but I, I might think it's for a different reason entirely. Jess, uh, did you ever in your visits uh, around the globe encounter a beer spa? I have never been to a beer spa. I think I prefer my beer internally <laughs> rather than externally. Yeah. Yeah. How, how sticky are you going to be? I mean, like think back to your college days when the, the floor that would the stickiness on the floor after a night of beer being spilled all over. That's how your skin is going to feel once you it's not really an exfoliating type of product. Yeah. I don't know that they, they love beer so much that they went to the beer spa. Uh, did you catch this from Eric and Daniel when they had their turn in the beer spa? I don't know if the Jets are making a bubble on them guys. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Nobody. Keep it classy in the beer spa. If you're making that many bubbles, you might want to go see a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, the doctor was in the tub next to them. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Mike, did you spot uh, Mark from Australian Survivor Season 2, a.k.a. Tarzan, in the beer spa? I mean, the the choice was uh, that he could either sit in the the beer spa or give a bundle of wood to his tribe. And you know what? He decided to be greedy this time. Yeah. Uh, the one guy in the middle, Jess, was uh, pretty amazing also. Oh, he was he was festive. Yeah. I mean, that guy. As that in guy he was... looked like Uncle Festive. Yeah, he looked like a combination of Uncle Fester and, and eight Santa Claus. <laughs> I was going to say, was that a switchback that Drew and Kevin from the, the first Amazing Race were there tonight? Ouch, dude. Hey, it's been a while. It's hey, been like 15 years. They were they were the they were the frat bros. They probably know their way around some beer. They probably frequented a beer spa once or twice. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. A naked man in a tub full of beer will give you your next clue. And so we got to the switchback task eventually. So, Jess, uh, could you set the stage? We talked about it last week. Uh, The cacophony of 
ringing phones. Uh, what is the connection here to Kafka? Well, this was something that happened all the way back in Amazing Race season 15. 15, right, Mike? Yep. Coincidentally, the last time they've been to Prague. And there was a task. There was a roadblock um, near the end of a leg where there was a room full of phones, exactly like this room full of phones. And on some of the phones, you could pick up the phone and they would sell it. They would give you a letter and you needed to collect five letters and rearrange those five letters to spell the name of somebody. Mm-hmm. Now, the theme of the task was Kafka. Kafka's first name was Franz. Franz has five letters. The letters you got were F-R-A-N-Z. But this was – this proved to be the undoing of Big Easy of the Globetrotter team. And he ended up quitting the task after spending hours and hours at it. They was literally there all night and ended up getting eliminated by Phil – the next morning. Yeah. Yeah. And interest, interestingly enough, uh, that was also a little bit of a controversy when it came to sharing information, because I believe the Globe Chars were working with the brothers, Sam and Dan. And oh, I yeah. believe that they, they've been working together sort of like what, uh, you know, uh, Daniel and Evan had going. Of, OK, let's let's try to divide and conquer a bit. Uh, the brother got it first, but all he told Big Easy was that it began with F. And then he left after that. And there was a little bit of a controversy as to, you know, should he have helped him more since there was a team behind them? So, again, this task just seems to breed controversy. Maybe it is the cacophony or cacophony <laughs> of uh, sounds in the in the phone room. I think it's worth pointing out that mathematically, you only have to make 125 guesses. Like, those are the only – if you have five letters, you can only combine those five letters 125 ways. And – Big Easy made way more guesses than that. <laughs> yeah. Jess is always riding Big Easy. She never gives the guy a break. It's surprising. He's very tall. Probably harder to ride. Yes. So this task has undergone a metamorphosis since season 15 when it first appeared. Now you get a jumble where you get a bunch of words and now you have to put the sentence together to solve the puzzle. And then you hand, was it the same guys, Jess, that you had to hand in your work to? Oh, I'd have to go back and rewatch that. Yes. I have no idea, but it's very possible they got the same guys. Okay, They got the same guys, maybe, Mike. Yeah, I liked how uh, when they got it correct, the guy just put a big black stamp on it that said Kafka. Yes. I don't know if that meant it was like sanctioned by the estate of Franz Kafka. Yes, this is his catchphrase. You are correct. So you have this giant Kafka stamp. Do you think, is there a lot of utility in that stamp outside of this task, Mike? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure how much that fetches. Maybe... if some, if you're walking around and you're feeling like ironic situations or surreal stranger than life moments, that's when you put the big Kafka stamp on it. <laughs> Jess, could you have any use for the Kafka stamp? I, I feel like my entire life is a giant Kafka stamp. Wow, that's that's deeper than the meaning of life is that it stops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the alternate uh, phrase, and they decided to go with the actual direct quote. Yeah. Well, we saw some of the teams starting to work together on uh, this task, notably uh, Evan and Daniel. But I loved that Daniel thought that one of the words was wife. (laughs) The meaning of wife. (laughs) Yes. Although I will say as a married person that the meaning of wife is that many things do stop. But that was not what (laughs) Kafka was talking about. 
I don't know. We don't know Kafka's uh, marital habits. <laughs> well, I'm sure we could look it up, but that'll be when we go back 15 seasons from now. We'll find out. Maybe Mrs. Kafka will be there with the stamp. Yes, the metamorphosis of Kafka instead of the evolution of Survivor. <laughs> yes. I was waiting for the task where they all had to transform into giant insects. Well, that would be very exciting. Uh, which team would have the leg up on that, Jess? Um. Well, which team bugs us the most? <laughs> mm. I could see Joey and Tim uh, being able to consume uh, a bunch of food like a cockroach. So maybe in some way they would have the leg up. Maybe they would. It's it's just too bad that they've already been eliminated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we found their five hole truly turning into bugs. <laughs> right. And Mike, it would not be uncommon to Big Brother to have one of the players end up having to become a bug for a week. Yeah, just a nice trail of ants. <laughs> <laughs> right. So the teams uh, went through. They had to uh, answer the phone and get the stamp. Uh, teams start checking in. Uh, we have not touched on Christy and Jen who had another stellar week, Jess. Um, I feel like there's not much you can say about Christy and Jen. They're just really good racers. They're solid. They've pointed out that every single leg, they've come in at least the top three, got their second first place finish. I mean, they're definitely a team to be watching. Yeah. 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 We, we haven't we haven't touched Christy and Jen because nobody has touched Christy and Jen this leg in terms of uh, raw finishing. Yeah. No, they've just been acing everything to the point where there's not even any drama in uh, they had that setback at the start of the episode last week and they just got over it. And I feel like that uh, we have not you've really gotten to see too much of their personalities come out because they haven't had any adversity. It's so interesting because I, I'll admit I was a little surprised. Maybe it's just because I'm used to Amazing Race 29, where, as we remember, Brooke and Scott really pulled the social engineering card and really, you know, uh, game the heck out of all three U-turns that they faced over the course of the last season. This time, things seemed really tame. And again, everyone seemed, especially on this first flight, seemed very cautious to draw a first blood. I, I don't know. I'd like to think that if there were maybe different teams, not even on this season, but from previous seasons, sort of in the mix on that first flight... If Christy and Jen are not the first of that U-turn born, they might decide, okay, now is the time to take out a strong team. Though, the downside is that there are three teams guaranteed to be behind them. And as Jess always says, don't U-turn a team that you're going to see. And you're probably guaranteed to see Christy and Jen, barring there's not some sort of huge cataclysmic accident that forces them to like immediately leave the race. Jess, what do you think is the reason for that? Do you think that these are just well-educated teams in terms of the race strategy or that this group overall gets along pretty well. Well, I think every group tends to get along pretty well unless you have a really polarizing figure that divides everybody. Um, But yeah, they seem like they get along pretty well and it seems like almost all of them have at least considered what they're going to do if not like read the rule book and listened to hours and hours of us talking about this stuff. Mm, Okay. So... At the check-in, we then have Eric and Daniel. They're now in second place. Uh, Now, they were not in the Bloom 5, right, Mike? They were not. They might be a a Cinderella story. They're (laughs) making their way into the Bloom 5 after a stunning loss by uh, Trevor and Chris. But, I mean, technically, there's only one more team to get eliminated. I I feel like it's not a complete 100%. I did not pass the lecture quiz that I got given about the top five teams. But I feel like if Lucas and Brittany are the next to get eliminated, four out of five is not too bad. Okay. 
All right. Well, that you're being a little presumptuous right now, Mike. <laughs> yes, uh, it's the only way I can be at this point. Okay. So Henry and Evan, they work together with Eric and Daniel on this race. Just do you see this foursome sticking together and continuing to help each other? I doubt it. I think it was kind of. I think it was kind of random chance that put them in that spot to work together at that time. I don't think they've made a lifelong alliance. I mean, as much as people on this show talk about, oh, we're in an alliance with these people, it really doesn't end up meaning a whole lot in the end. It's just sound bites to heighten the drama in editing. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. they were there at the task together. It was advantageous for them to work together in that moment, so they did. I don't think it means they're BFFs forever. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, season season ten reminded everyone how it is not a good strategy to purposely wait behind for your allies. So there was a little bit of a commotion between whether Jess and Cody were going to be able to get a cab. Uh, they were struggling. They ended up getting one, and then they ended up overshooting where the pit stop was going to be. Uh, we see the other teams check in ahead of them. Alex and Connor are in fourth place. Jess, uh, we haven't talked much about Alex and Connor, the IndyCar team tonight. Well, they they had kind of a low-key night, I think. Usually, they're a little more front and center, and usually Phil gets a couple of more savage digs at Connor. And (laughs) I was really unimpressed. Like, they were on the mat for five seconds, and then another team rolls up, and so Phil doesn't get to, like, unleash the full force of his snark. No, not this week. A, uh, a short reprieve, but maybe he'll get a double in the two-hour episode next week. Lucas and Brittany end up being in team uh, number five, Mike. And it was, we, we almost, I thought we were going to have a post-engagement meltdown with Lucas and Brittany at one point tonight. Yeah, I mean, I think Brittany says it best when she says that, you know, whether you're engaged, you have good moments and bad moments. It definitely seemed like they've had a very up and down sort of behavioral pattern in the past three legs, and that's indicative in their placements. So I thought it was great that they finished in. That's why I'm thinking it's great that they finished in first place last leg. But I don't think that necessarily indicates that they might be long for this race. I don't know. I feel like between the navigational difficulties that they had this leg and the fact that even though they do love each other, they do tend to sort of uh, get into spats a bit. I I don't know how much their dynamic compares to what the other five teams have going on. Jess, are you as sour on Team Ocean Rescue as Mike is? Um, I might be a little higher on them, but I think Mike makes a good point that there are lots of teams that are capable of winning a leg, and not every one of those teams is capable of winning the whole race. Okay. Well, sometimes it's just your perfect leg where you get engaged and you come in first place and you win a prize. Hard <laughs> and to you recreate find the that water. Magic. <laughs> yes, you find the water. Uh, Jess and Cody end up being team six, and you know Phil's giving them the pep talk uh, halfway through. You guys have to be ready for anything. Jess, will they be ready to be separated? I think it'll be the first time they've babe, been separated, babe. <laughs> well, this sucks. I don't want to be on a different team. Well, I know we were talking before in the head-to-heads about how Phil was trying to ape a Jeff Probst impression. Now it seems like he's doing a Julie Chen impression with all this, like, well, just so you know, watch your backs, because you never know which twists and turns are going to come on The Amazing Race. (laughs) Yeah. You gotta expect the unexpected. There you go. I believe he actually said that in this, like... (laughs) You never know uh, what's gonna happen. There you go. So, uh, we'll see. Well, you did. All right. (laughs) So, I mean, that's where we stand. And very sad for Trevor and Chris. Mike, I I do think that these guys 
were they they were depicted at least to be almost superhuman. <laughs> Trevor, at least Trevor seems to be like some sort of but both of them that like they're they're both in great shape. They're handsome. They're smart. They're they play instruments. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I have been sort of uh, singing their praises or I guess playing their praises for the past several weeks. So it's sad to see them go here just because we get to see a little bit of their personality in this, like, even though they were sort of playing from behind from the beginning. I would encourage everyone to go check out uh, their YouTube videos on the Wellstrung channel. Uh, They and Jen of Team Extreme have been giving some great behind-the-scenes information, but their personalities really shine there, and they have such a great dynamic. I'm really excited to get to talk with them tomorrow just because they are really fun. Funny, and they have a great back and forth between them. They also gave uh, spilled some tea on some really interesting stuff going on behind the scenes in those videos, too. Whoa. Yeah, apparently uh, at the end of the fourth leg, when Evan was getting her tooth fixed, uh, the facility that she was taken to thought she had worked in sex trafficking. Yeah. Uh, because because she had been, like, covered in bruises from when the boat was hitting her, and she had a chipped tooth, and she was surrounded by, like, all of these men, like the you know security guard and the sound crew, et cetera, et cetera, that I guess the facility had uh, very different ideas of exactly what circumstances Evan was coming into their place for. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Very funny. All right. I'm glad they let Evan go after that and let her uh, continue on the race. It Nobody been very, called Liam Neeson. Yes, yeah, so it would have been very awkward for Phil to start off the next episode. Henry and Evan uh, have been uh, held up, and uh, the production has been accused of sex trafficking, and uh, this is very unfortunate, uh, but we have to move on with the race. And Amazing Race 30 is officially the lost season of The Amazing Race. (laughs) Yeah. So, Jess, in your mind, did Trevor and Chris do anything wrong? It doesn't really seem like they did. Um, I'm not sure what they could have done to speed things up. And, you know, they may tell you something different tomorrow, but it looked like they ran a pretty clean leg. And it just so happened that getting U-turned plus being on the last flight just sort of doomed them. Mm, yeah. yeah, you could you could argue you could argue that it's almost the stuff that they did on the previous leg that did them in this leg because as just mentioned, if they didn't do all if you know they weren't able to build the trebuchet or they you know uh, get to the details detour sooner, maybe they're able to squeeze onto that first flight and then we're not even talking about them getting eliminated yet. So I guess let's get into some of our questions from the listeners here tonight. Of course, uh, we take these questions on Twitter after the episode. You could also email us. Uh, that might be as uh, useful as a giant Kafka stamp coming up next week because uh, we have said before, we are going to be recording these probably on Thursday evening now once Big Brother kicks off. So the Amazing Race is going to be on at the same time. We're going to have live Big Brother recaps and then uh, we will get to Amazing Race coming up on Thursdays and then the exit interviews will be part of that podcast that we post Coming up on uh, Thursday night. So uh, let's dive into the questions. And the great hot nuts, uh, one of our uh, most active listeners. Hot nuts says, I'm a fan of the U-turn as an element of the game. But when the flights were obviously predetermined and the beer roadblock took about an hour based on one team leaving when one from the second plane arrived. Was this a predestined outcome and an anticlimactic one? Just uh, hot nuts is really preaching to the choir here. Yeah, I mean, hot nuts can do no wrong in my book. Like that's <laughs> it, he's been consistently correct, and I think today is no exception. 
Hot Nuts is really the Franz Kafka of the Amazing Race yes. podcast. I'll give that a give Kafka me. stamp. <laughs> what? Be, tend- be tender there. Yeah. This question is from Jennifer who asks, uh, did the violinist have an amazing memory or were the twins just awful at the flat earth task, Mike? I mean, yeah, again, this is we're buying into the edit here, but it seemed like they pretty much got all the questions in one go. I mean, again, Trevor and Chris are really possess a, a fantastic set of skills and uh, not to quote the man that might have gone to rescue Evan if a different set of circumstances <laughs> had come out. Uh, but I do wonder, you know, in a, in a different alternate universe, you know, could they be our winners? There's a reason why Jess picked them with her first pick in our Amazing Race draft. They seem like a really good team on paper, whereas Eric and Daniel, it seemed like, again, from what we were shown, they actually finished the detour in first place out of all the teams, uh, purely because I think they were they remembered more facts than they thought they were going to initially. I think they initially thought they were just going to have to go back and forth eight times, which definitely seems laborious, but seems like they retained more than they thought they would. What do you think of the last question being, uh, is the Earth flat or round, Jess? Um, I thought that was entertaining. I think because you're having to memorize numbers and come up with dates and formulas, I think that last question, like sticking that on the end there, is just kind of a little stinger. And I, I think – I thought it was cute. Yes. And I, I, I especially enjoyed uh, Trevor and Chris pretending to hem and haw about it before they gave <laughs> the answer. <laughs> yeah. They were thinking about it because, you know, you had that one guy. Maybe he was making a compelling case, Mike. Yeah, maybe someone left the race a flat earther. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he got to as long as you touch one person. That's all that matters. Yeah, I, that, I wonder if uh, the flat earth lobby ended up uh, asking for this task tonight, Mike. Do you think that they they put in like the all right CBS? We put we paid for your Travelocity ads. Now you have to do us a favor. That's right. That's right. Is this like when the city of Sudbury paid Amazing Race Canada to host a leg there? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we got several people pointing out uh, there was a scene where um, I believe it was firefighters rolled up to a task and the lower third identified them as Henry and Evan currently in second place. Mm -hmm. Um, This is not this is not an editing mistake that Amazing Race usually makes. So, (laughs) yeah, they're getting a little sloppy in their old age. Yes. Uh, Do you think that the issue was that uh, Henry and Evan are both uh, typically uh, male first names? Um, that could be it. Like, oh, um, what are those did, two they, guys? did they just sit down? A, sit, they sat down a first-time editor who hadn't seen the show before. He's like, "Oh, these two yeah, people okay, seem uh, like they'd be named well, Henry and two, Evan." Two guys. That must that must be Henry and Evan. <laughs> that sounds like they grabbed someone from the beer spa and asked them to edit an episode of The Amazing Race. <laughs> That's what they needed. Two guys uh, from the beer spa to come in and edit. The yeah, show. It's, I, 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 poor. I would also say, uh, poor Henry. Uh, I mean, Perfect I seemed like he Henry. needed a beer because he was he was he was having some some free TSD, if you will, from the having to wheel the dolly around with the keg on it. Yes, yes, uh, that was a very traumatic experience for uh, Henry and Evan between being mistaken for a victim of sex trafficking and then uh, getting having to do the freight race so many times that this has been a, a tough uh, ordeal for them, Mike. Yes, those are completely equivalent situations, Rob. <laughs> yes, yes. It's been a, uh, a tough circumstances for, uh, for Henry and Evan so far, but they're hanging in there. Hanging tough, uh, to quote one of the teams that we forgot was on the Amazing Race 26 a few weeks ago. <laughs> Okay, and let's check in with our own Leah Brillman, who tweets in to ask, what potential partner swap would make for the most unbeatable team, and what swap would create hashtag team train wreck? Okay, let's brainstorm a little bit and come up with uh, some fun swaps that we'd like to see 
coming up. I guess, Mike, we have to uh, begin this conversation with some version of Cody and Jessica being swapped with Team Beach Ocean. Absolutely. And I know that people are saying, okay, let's put Jessica and Brittany together because they're the ones that have the direct conflict. But hear me out for oh, a interesting. second. Mm. I think that Cody and Brittany would make by far the more entertaining pairing because Brittany has shown herself to be quite the emotional person on both the positive spectrum and the negative spectrum. Cody notoriously is having none of that. I think that would make for the much more fun dynamic personally. Yeah. You know, I just presumed that because it's a co-ed team, they would keep the co-ed dynamic. I never thought that they would potentially say, okay, Jessica and Brittany, you're a team now. Uh, and Cody and Lucas are a team. Uh, Jess, do you think that they would try to... Uh, I don't know if actually... I have to take a look because I think there's fewer women that are still... Although uh, Christy and Jenna are in there. So, yeah, who knows, Jess? Yeah, um, I think if production has their thumb on the scales at all, I think we have to assume that they're going to put Brittany and Jessica on a team together. Hmm. But if they don't, I do agree that having Brittany and Cody as a team really opens us up to be playing like the real life version of Charlie, the unicorn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. right, Mike, are there any other creative pairings uh, that might create some drama? Um, Let's see. I like, I like Cody and Evan because again, I feel like uh, Henry sort of suffers from the same problem as Cody, where Cody likes to make a lot of impulsive decisions. And it seems like Evan has a lot less patience for that than someone like Jessica. So that could make for a good pairing. Uh, I I mean, Connor is interesting because Connor, they even pointed it out tonight, Connor is such a pessimist that I'm wondering, like, do you want to put him with a perennial Debbie Downer? Would you want to put him with somebody who's a little more positive? I feel like he's another person that you can sort of throw into the equation as well. I guess I'm sort of drifting towards those who definitely have more well-honed personalities because they're going to be the more combustive people to put together. Yes, I feel like that pretty much almost all of the teams are uh, rather even keeled. I don't, I don't see any matchups that you say, Oh, this person is so extreme that oh, if you put this person with this person outside of matching up people with Jess and Cody. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's fair. Like everybody seems pretty level headed. Um, I think where the more interesting pairings will happen is where teams are really dependent on each other or where one team member has, is, kind of so attached to the other team member that they can't really function without them. I'm thinking specifically of Cody and Jessica here, but I think you could see it. You could see it a bit. um, If a, if a team is really committed to, we are a team and then suddenly they can't be the team anymore. I think you find some interesting reactions there. All right. Well, We've got our two-hour amazing race coming up next week. Uh, Exit interviews with Team Wellstrung coming up tomorrow. Mike, is there anything else you want to add about this episode? No, I mean, it's interesting that, you know, we have reached the halfway point of the race. Uh, It's it's hard to sort of look at how we're feeling about the season about halfway through, but... I'm enjoying it. Uh, I might be wearing, you know, some some podcast beer goggles uh, <laughs> just because I, I'm able to cover it from both a podcast perspective and an, an interview perspective as well. But I feel like the cast is fun. I feel like we've really gotten to know the cast, especially uh, a team like Eric and Daniel, who we really didn't know the time of day a couple of legs ago. And now we sort of have a sense of not only their personalities, but they're coming into their own and have their own sort of storyline. Uh, so and, we, and it looks like we have some drama stoking as well. So I'm excited to see where the second half of the race is going to take us. It's going to be a little abbreviated because, as you said, we're in for a wallop of six legs in the Amazing Race in three weeks. But I, I mean, I've been enjoying this season so far. 
Jess, do you have any uh, big picture takes about the season? Um, I think so far of all of the seasons of The Amazing Race, this has certainly been one of them. Um, I don't really have I don't really have an extreme opinion either way. I think it's like this is the show that I am familiar with. I like that they're trying to mix it up a little bit, throwing some new twists out there. I think the execution is sometimes a little flawed, but I appreciate that they're trying to keep it fresh. Okay. Uh, it's interesting as well. I just one thing that I, I noticed over the course of this, like we're halfway through the, the season at this point. I'm assuming we're not getting an express pass, right? How long has it been since we've had a season without an express pass in it? Well, there have been seasons where the express pass doesn't really get talked about much, but yeah, there typically there have been them, and I think they've kind of decided that they don't have an interesting new way to introduce it to people, so they might as well put it on the shelf for a little while. Okay. Yeah, putting it putting it in someone's bag randomly was sort of like the last <laughs> yeah. legs of the Express We're pass. out of ideas on this one. Okay, we'll put it back on the shelf until we can figure out uh, something that gets the Kafka stamp of approval. Do you think Kafka would like the head-to-head? Oh, sure. I think so. I think he'd love it. <laughs> <laughs> he might not love the placement. No, <laughs> yeah, you are a cop really and know-it-all after all, Rob. That's why I defer to you for these opinions. Yeah, so I think that he probably overall, uh, it would have been fun for him to see how it all would have played out. Okay, but we are now going to be heading into the home stretch, uh, the back half of the season, which is going to be flying by. Basically, we're going to get the final six hours of the show in the course of the next three weeks. The finale will be three weeks from tonight. When you watch the show next week and you want to get your questions in, you can email the show AmazingRace at RobHasAWebsite.com and we will get into all of that. Of course, uh, Mike Bloom has uh, so much going on in addition to all of his podcasting over at Parade.com where not only does he have a report out on the new cast of Celebrity Big Brother, he also has a a new slideshow about the cast of Survivor Ghost Island, and he's going to continue along with an interview with Team Well Strong tomorrow. Yes, uh, enough puns in there to even turn Eric and Daniel away. But if if that's your thing, I always appreciate you checking it out. Yeah, it's a it's an exciting week to be a CBS reality TV fan. Not only has the Amazing Race been chugging along and is now approaching its hopefully climactic second half, but we got cast reveals for Celebrity Big Brother and Survivor as well. And I know Rob, you have a lot of content that both has come out and is going to come out with regards to those upcoming seasons too. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on here in the uh, CBS reality tv nerve center of course uh jessica and i have uh, been podcasting about star trek discovery over on post show recaps uh, which has been very fun in the back half here of season one angela bloom could t- probably tell you that as well but we uh have uh, some some news coming in breaking news are happening now yes okay this is a, a big announcement mike hold on for this because okay we have that jessica is about to make podcasting history coming up <laughs> next week when potentially as of right now in one day she is going to podcast about star trek discovery with yours truly and then in the very same day potentially is going to podcast about the Super Bowl edition of This Is Us 
with the first lady of podcasting, Nicole Sesternino. How about that? Wow, the Sesternino double dip. <laughs> I have not heard about that in quite some time. That is super exciting. Never before even attempted by a human. Wow, you are truly changing the game there, Jess. Yeah. Just can't get enough Sesternino. Yes, okay. All right. So uh, we got to figure out all of the logistics on that. But a Super Bowl edition of the uh, the This Is Us recap with uh, Nicole. My wife is very excited about this, Jess. Yeah, I, I hear she is a super fan of This Is Us, uh, as am I. <laughs> yes. All right. So uh, that's uh, those on post-show recaps. And then, of course, uh, here on The Mothership on RHAP, uh, we dropped the first edition of Josh Wiggler's uh, fantastic preseason podcast. First one out uh, that went up this morning. Of course, uh, Josh and Taryn had been collaborating on that for many weeks now. Uh, that is up. I also recorded with Josh Wiggler today. Basically, in everything you need to know about Survivor season 36, had a fun uh, conversation with Josh, of course, who was on location for the opening of Survivor Ghost Island. Uh, that will be up in your podcast feed uh, by the time you're listening to this. You should also be able to hear that podcast. And then I will be back reunited with the LFC on Thursday evening when we will go ahead and do our Celebrity Big Brother Draft live. That should be a lot of fun as well. So that's all happening on RobHasWebsite.com. Of course, RobHasWebsite.com slash iTunes is where you can subscribe to all that. Uh, Mike, what do you want to do for the hashtag? Uh, is it Nomant? It might be Nomant. We had a Cophophony as well. I don't know uh, if I'm we trying had to think that. if there were some it, other. It was said. <laughs> Was, Maybe you had yeah, it. Yeah, that's me That's me trying to shoehorn it in there with like the sandals they were making last week. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not entirely sure. Were there were any other ones that stuck out to you? Jess, do you like Nomint? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I don't know if I like Nomint, <laughs> but I will accept Nomint. We'll accept Nomint. Uh, if it's Nomint or Kafka Hakafani, <laughs> Nomint gets the... <laughs> yeah. Gets, does, does it get the stamp? Yeah, I think it gets the stamp. So, um, oh, great. Yeah, good job on that. Uh, actually... Uh, let's turn this over to our uh, Prague professors uh, to see what they thought about uh, Kafka Kafni. That's wrong. You failed. Oh, I'm sorry, Mike. That's <laughs> uh, okay. It's again, uh, you know, I'm I'm aiming for a B minus here, just like I am with the Bloom Five. So moderate <laughs> pass is how okay. I try to live my Look, life. Better than C students. Uh, team Ocean Rescue. All right. So uh, emphasis on C. Yes. <laughs> C and I can't wait for Twitter to blow up like, oh, Jessica's so negative. Why does she hate the puns? What is that what they say? Is that people uh, they <laughs> accuse you of not liking the wordplay? I am a complainer. Mm, Jess. Ew. Yeah. Was it Eric and Daniel that were on you for not liking puns enough? If Eric and Daniel were doing the Twitter, they would certainly be on me for <laughs> my negativity in the pun department. All right. Well, we will talk with you all next week. Of course, uh, be on the lookout for the Exit Interview podcast as well coming up on Thursday. Have a good one, everybody. Take care. Bye. Bye.